Hey everybody, I'm Peter and my spicy chai tea is a little spicy this morning. If I can change your fate, I could change his. It's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast that explores the Star Wars expanding universe through an episode-by-episode deep dive into the Star Wars animated series Rebels. That one is a little bit of a stretch, but I just got this. It's called, it's a double-spiced chai tea, which I've never had before, and I made it a little too strong. So I just wanted to get... I know you have tea feelings, Mike, so I just wanted I mean, I like, that by you. Is this like spiked tea or something, or is it just, no, like too, it's just literally like too spicy? extra spicy chai. That doesn't sound enjoyable. <laughs> I usually like it, but I let it steep for a bit too long. But that is the second most important news we have right now. Our first most important news is we have a wonderful guest. He's a podcaster, thinker about pop culture, writer, and you may have heard him on Fighting in the War Room, The Storm Podcast, or checked out his writing anywhere, like Thrillist, Polygon, Forbes, Vanity Fair. Also, an upcoming book about Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's Dave Gonzalez. Hello. Woo. It's great to be back talking about Star Wars I like. (laughs) I am so excited. We had you on to talk about the, oh my gosh, the world, Twin Suns, Twin Worlds, and it was such a good little snippet. We've been wanting to have you on a full episode, so thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's uh, A, great to be back, and B, great to be back at a time that uh, Mandalorian Season 2 has refreshed my love of Star (laughs) Wars, because I took a big hit last December in the enthusiasm department. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I needed uh, a couple of months to come around to finding things like Anakin Grogu Dyad funny instead of just frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, you're, you're in good company yeah. there. Yeah. It's, it's been, I've been taking a hit since I'm a, I'm a prequel lover. Mm-hmm. And since the prequels, <laughs> I've just, it's all gone downhill for me. But so this has been a real <laughs> yeah, Mike's uphill. been taking hits for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's now like the position of a Star Wars fan where it's like, okay, so you like the things and you have the thing that you really like and it's at your core and you want to protect it. But every few years, there's going to be some more stuff piled on and sometimes you really love it and you're (laughs) like, this is deepening the thing I love. And the other times you're like, now I need to adapt what I see as nonsense into my worldview. And maybe this episode is that for some people. I I like it, but it does... uh, you know, stretch the lore. Yeah. I, I, there's no spoiler alerts for anyone who listens to the pod that we like this kind of star Wars and that this episode is almost why we started this podcast is episodes like world between worlds and the odd mortis arc of clone wars and twin sons. Like this is the star Wars that I don't know. This does it for us. Yeah. Um, and I am excited to jump in this, so let's not waste any more time. I'm truly pumped. This chai tea is kicking in. Mike, oh are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Dave, you ready? I'm ready. All right. Well, let me do a quick recap. Let's mix up a quick space refresh and recap what happened in episode 11 of season four, A World Between Worlds. Ezra walks through an astral and mysterious maze of portals connected by cosmic paths and hears 
the voices of Jedis and allies passed. Meanwhile, Sabine is questioned by Haydn and asked to interpret the pictograms within the Jedi Temple, thereby learning that the Emperor intends to breach the barriers between life and death as a final stepping stone to controlling the Force within the entire universe. Just after she has deciphered how to close the portal, Sabine is extracted by Hera and Zeb. All the while, Ezra wanders space and time until he is led by a convoy to another portal, which is opened to the space of Ahsoka's final battle against Darth Vader, just before peril befalls her. Ezra pulls her through the portal and into the void, saving Ahsoka. Ezra believes he can now save Kanan, and makes an attempt, but is dissuaded by Ahsoka from changing fate. But with the opening of the Lothal door, the Emperor is finally able to reach into the void and attack them. Ezra and Ahsoka separate and escape through the portals through which they have come. With Sabine's hint, Ezra is able to seal the access way to the void, which also triggers the collapse of the temple. After a narrow escape, Hera returns to the temple, which has completely vanished. But... With what he has learned in the void, Ezra finally is able to overcome the grief of Kanan's death, realizing that if he had pulled Kanan out, he and the others would have perished instead. This is actually, I, I usually give a very objective uh, recap. I realized as I read that, I said a lot of, put a lot of subjective points in there, but <laughs> it's, it's a recap. No, it's good. It sets the basis now for what a set of facts that we could agree to be true. <laughs> yeah. And then we could debate things like, yeah. are there portals on other temples? And does that have to yeah. do with iconography around the circles? We got a lot to talk about. Yeah. I love it. And you know what, Mike? I love your I love your breakdown. Thank you for really talking about the plot. But also, I don't care about the plot of this episode. Let's just talk about the weird mystic stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to jump in. Um, I, I have a question up top for... You guys, this is not something I knew. I'm wondering if you did. I didn't know this until I did some research. Are you familiar with the term flow walking? No. no. I wasn't either. So, Or I, I guess I should have said I was. I made myself sound smarter. Well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Um, flow walking is an EU um, Jedi ability that Jason... Uh, wait, Jason Solo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, was taught which is basically the ability to walk through time and space with the force. Mm. So what we're seeing here, I'm curious if this is net new to the world or borrowed from EU, like much of Rebels really was. Um, But I just wanted to throw that little tidbit up top. Interesting. I mean, we know that Dave Filoni likes to incorporate the legends when he can, but I think this episode reads to me a lot more like being able to bring in some of the daughter-son-father more mystic things into Rebels, which has been much more grounded in the real Mm. uh, throughout its entire run. And I'm not exactly sure what it, if it comes to any conclusions about that as much as it just reminds us that it's there and that despite all the conflicts that we see and all the conflicts that we say are traditionally Star Wars and the new canon, there's still this other layer that at the time that this aired, I thought like that's where we were going with the the new trilogy was to sort of probe this deeper force layer beyond like uh, the Sith and beyond the Jedi 
where mm-hmm. they each uh, got close to sort of touching it, but n- none of them sort of like lived in that uh, new force layer of actual living gods. I guess except ah- Ahsoka here, sort of. Yeah. I mean, they did say force virgins, so I think <laughs> they got pretty deep about that stuff. I forgot about that word. <laughs> oh yeah, the virgins. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, and I think that's a really interesting. Um, it's a really interesting question because it brings up. I mean, two things is first of all, they always take inspiration from legends, so it's kind of trying to figure out like what's truly brought in from legends, what's a new kind of thing, what's inspired, like. I saw that it was inspired by C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. Well, um, okay. That, I mean, that's what Fulani said specifically, um, that like the pond is a portal, that there's a pond in a, yeah. the magician's nephew yeah. that's a portal to like different places, it, like Narnia and Earth and the world charred. Um, so like parsing the influences is interesting and then also trying to parse what's real and what is not. And luckily they haven't confirmed a lot, but I think that's what a lot of the interesting conversation is, is like, is this actually time travel? Mm. Is this an actual physical place you can go to, or is it some sort of forced spiritual realm? That's the stuff that I really like. Mm. I mean, according to the Rebels recon, like for this episode, the two times that two, Ezra accesses this two times before in the Lothal Temple, mm-hmm. wants to get his kyber crystal and wants to talk to Yoda which sort of feels like an in-between space because that's a big force projection for Yoda from Dagobah mm-hmm. in terms of what we know about uh, what Luke Skywalker is able to do uh, in The Last Jedi. So it's not unheard of, but definitely going back and looking at the visuals, Ezra's always in one of these uh, bright white circles, which mm-hmm. seems to be like what the paths are made of uh, in the world between worlds. So it's it seems to, and then also when he enters the world between worlds, we hear quotes from mostly Jedi, but like Mike pointed out, also just like allies. I think like Poe is in there, um, and maybe one other uh, non-Force user. So it mm-hmm. seems like it's to access the world between worlds isn't about necessarily probing into it. Maybe if you have to be a Force user to like get into the gateway, but it, it seems to like exist in some sort of hybrid between like the cosmic force and the living force if people like poe are able to feed into it at all yeah absolutely um and you bring up a good thing that i i we we've brought this up as it went along but seeing it now in series is so cool about the fact that ezra has accessed this place in the past um the other two times he went to the jedi temple and each time it's become more and more clear so at first he goes to the Jedi Temple and he can only hear Yoda's voice. Then the second time he can see a little bit more of the background and he can actually see Yoda. And now he can see it in its full perspective. And I think that's a cool way to show his growth through this series as well. Yeah. Yeah. It does make me wonder if there's a portal to the world between worlds on uh, Dagobah or if Yoda is able to oh. just sort of like poke his head through. But I mean, there's uh, the new uh the book the oh yeah uh, from a certain point of view empire uh came out and has like a really good chapter about how like the cave is this counter force balance to yoda and like is able to shield him from being seen by like other force users but it's also him living near this like pure darkness um so maybe like the cave is also functioning as like a portal if there's a sith yeah. if there's a sith portal uh on the temple that he's able to pull ahsoka through 
there them um, while I'm on it. Another uh, uh, Mandalorian season two thing is the the rocks, the temple on Terrace also probably is a portal given how it lights up when Grogu's kind of looking at it. So if Ezra is at the mm. Lothal temple talking to Yoda, Yoda could be somewhere in a Grogu-like meditation in this other glowing portal sort of talking. That's the best I could put it together without my mind being like, you're breaking <laughs> Star Wars rules. Yeah, no, that may, that's pretty fun too because that ties to me a little bit with the end of The Last Jedi with how Luke is force projecting in a meditative state like that as well. And we've talked about how there are these, I forgot what the words are, it's, I'll just call it a force virgins for lack of better term, but these planets that are specific powers for the force that kind of fuel this connection between the, the cosmic force and the, the other force. And, uh, you know, Dagobah's one of them, Octo's one of them, and Lothal's one of them. So I think that would be, I could totally see Yoda sitting Jedi-like or like Luke Skywalker projecting himself into this space that's kind of between everything and having a conversation just like Luke did at the end of Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's also interesting that there's nobody really there except for like Ezra. Who, mm-hmm. um, like the obviously the Emperor shows up through a portal and he could see other people through portals and uh, as we could see pulled people through portals. But it's not like... Um, other fictional between spaces. It's not like a Stephen King Todash space where there are like monsters right on the other side of reality. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like this place is untainted by light side or dark side. It's black and white and it's sort of like everlasting. Yeah. Like, I, although we're told that the Emperor wants to, like, you know, control it and use it for, like, evil means, that's sort of what he wants to do with anything. And I have a trouble, <laughs> I have trouble picturing what that actually looks like, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And to your earlier point, Dave, I think what's, what I was, I was hoping so much of the new trilogy would be about, yeah, I was exploring the Force in this different way that's, that's almost disconnected from concepts of good and evil, like very binary, like it's good or bad. Um, and I, I think the world between worlds in some way is like this, it's almost this safe space that, uh, I, it, it's the force isn't good or bad, right? It's, it's the balance of the two. And it's, it's that Taoist perspective of, you know, you need both in, to exist. Candles have shadows and it, it's just, it's part of the natural kind of ebb and flow of it. Um, and it's interesting that to me, Peter, when you said that, See, this was inspired by C.S. Lewis because he is a very black and white writer. Um, his faith really um, was where he drew inspiration from a lot of the time. And I think it's interesting that his C.S. Lewis's counterpart, who I see as his counterpart of like, it's good, you know, it's light versus dark and light will always win is um, Philip Pullman and, you know, his dark uh-huh. materials. And that was really a rebuttal to those stories in a lot of ways of like, <laughs> no, it's not good and bad and demons aren't a bad thing and sin isn't a bad thing. It's um, and trying to show this other side of it. And I've always felt that Star Wars lived between these two conversations. If it was a conversation about portal fantasy in a way of kind of transporting to other worlds, like what I love about world between worlds, is it doesn't feel like there's any statement about good or evil, but there is a very just everything's balanced. And I think balance is always kind of the word that's brought in. And, mm, um, yeah, that's what it, I think 
it's one of the coolest parts about like this episode or like the mortis arcs or um is this idea of no the emperor is no is a perversion of the force just in a way that i feel like luke skywalker is in, in to some degree a perversion of the force too like they're taking it to different extremes but at the end of his life luke is coming closer to balance and i think yoda understood that um this was a long rant but yeah it's such a cool place <laughs> no it's like if it, if you're gonna make a big uh blip in the pond you're gonna cause a lot of waves and if that pond is some neutral like you don't know if those waves are gonna be good or bad like palpatine's biggest problem is that he keeps coming back and he keeps using the force to do that which means the force keeps sending people to meet him and like yeah. <laughs> bat him back down yeah yeah, yeah. That's, oh my gosh that's and we've talked we've touched on so many things i want to talk about all oh my gosh this there's it's i want to unpack this there's a lot here um but one of the things you were talking about dave is you know what was palpatine's means and i was thinking about that a lot because it's not extremely clear um i think it's really cool with the blue fire and all that stuff and the weird sith alien language he's he's chanting um yeah but that's cool I think, you know, they do drop a line, I think, in the previous episode where it's talking about, and also Yoda has said in the past, you know, that the Force is, I think they're referring to this place, it's like the ultimate weapon. You control this, you control the galaxy. And I don't know if this is exactly how the Force is would work, because I think there's a lot of evidence that not a lot of people actually understand the Force, including Palpatine, who thinks he does, but it falls short in many ways. Um, but the idea is, you know, just like how Ezra could intervene in Ahsoka's life, what if Palpatine could take control of the world between worlds and then, you know, like kill Leo when she's a baby or whatever, <laughs> like do like all the, like go back and kill Hitler stuff that people talk about, except for he would be killing good people that are getting in his way. And so I like to think this, and I think it's really interesting that I wonder if this is an extension of like the Sith sorcery stuff that that's touched on when he talks when Sidious talks about the story of Darth Plagueis and how mm -hmm. he could resurrect people and you know he he sells it as a tool of like I want to help you Anakin I want to protect Padme but he's just manipulating Anakin mm -hmm. and he's trying to maybe this is his goal was I want to try to resurrect people because that will also give me access to this place where I have unlimited power mm -hmm. and another tie I saw online someone said which I think is interesting is they threw it back to that quote in a new hope where Vader says, don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy planets, a planet is insignificant to the power of the force. And I think that's like, I love that because, you know, when they wrote it, it was probably just like, I'm going to explain, put this in because it's going to say like, it's cool. Vader can choke people and that's really powerful. But <laughs> if you want to retcon it back with what we've learned about the force, like, yeah, it is like some space station is insignificant to, the world between worlds where you can literally change the course of the universe with not very much effort. And I think that's kind of an interesting idea. Mm. Yeah. Does it seem like too big of a powerful thing to introduce and then sort of like never come back to again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a, Oh, sh how did I just forget the Russian author's name? Something. So whose gun? Chekhov's gun. There it is. Mm, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Totally. It was going to be used. Uh, that's oh man. I think yeah. so. I like that. I think that that's that is kind of weird in it in the sense of like I just want to know more, and I think there's so many cool stories that this can expound on. 
But at the same time, I actually think it's kind of cool because we've learned that the reason that the Jedi Temple exists on Lothal is because of the Jedi identified this power and they wanted to protect it. And so I kind of like the idea that there's these like almost weird metaphysical universe killing nukes out there that, you know, the powers of force and the forces of good and evil are trying to find and protect or get control over. Mm. And it's like almost just incomprehensible to the power of man, if that makes any sense. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know. It's like Indiana Jones stuff where it's just like, oh, if if Hitler gets this one cup or whatever, <laughs> he's going to take over the entire world. Like, I feel like that's kind of a fun little fantasy thing for me. Do you guys think we're going to go back in the Ahsoka series? Oh, man. Yeah. I... I, I, I I would almost be shocked if we didn't revisit a lot of this season four type stuff mm-hmm. with Ahsoka. It feels like the the place to do it. I think, you know, Mandalorian just wrapped up, right? And we got, you know, spoiler alert, it shouldn't be by the time this episode comes out. We got Luke Skywalker at the end, and I think a lot of people were hoping, oh, it's going to be Ezra. Like, how cool would that be if it's Ezra? I was going to be shocked if it was going to be Ezra mm-hmm. because that's just like, you know, for casual fans like my wife it would take way too much explaining for that to have any like impact. Um, so it feels like a, the Ahsoka series is the place where they go. They appease like the uh, little more hardcore fan. I mean, maybe, but they might also have to explain a lot. Yeah. yeah. So it's like now all the live action people have seen Ahsoka. I wouldn't be surprised if we like picked up the Ahsoka series, uh, like where World Between Worlds leads off because. They sort of yada, yada, yada that she portals through the entire original trilogy. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Which is like, great. And then now we've been told uh, by Dave Filoni that there isn't a definite timestamp on her uh, appearance in The Mandalorian as to whether or not it appears after uh, the Rebels Coda or before the Rebels Coda when she... And Sabine sort of head off into into nothingness. Hmm, So they would be fun to, you know go and pick up uh, Sabine and Ezra search from this series. I just wonder how much backtracking needs to be done to be like, here's Ahsoka. You might have known her because you could have been <laughs> a you know person watching cartoons uh, and growing up with Star Wars, or you could be an old person, in which case we have to explain to you, you know, there's this yeah. place where you could time travel and jump between series. She didn't leave Luke Skywalker to, you know, figure out his own shit. She was, yeah. she was busy. Yeah, I've got to imagine they're going to touch on it. But the thing that I think the Mandalorian has dipped its toes into some of this mysticism, especially with like calling out to the Jedi on that rock, like that's that's a little bit of force weirdness. And then also Morai showing up as a little Easter egg um, in the Mandalorian makes me think that they're not afraid to touch that. And I think they've shown that they are willing to kind of introduce ideas and and backtrack it like some of the mythology of of uh mandalore can mm-hmm. get kind of wonky for people and they're almost just like here's a mandalorian he doesn't take his helmet off and like some such subset of nerds are freaking out because it goes against something that happened in clone wars and rebels but then they're just like they'll explain it later people are fine they're on board it's okay so i could see them slowly kind of parsing out world between world stuff even if they don't necessarily step into the portal i don't know yeah, I mean, just looking right now at the logo 
for the series i i think we got to go there but we will uh yeah definitely i'm looking forward to that idea because it brings it back to uh you know some more interesting force magic-y stuff i'm not against magic that has very specific rules in my fiction Mm -hmm. i'm against magic that is suddenly powerful (laughs) or weaker depending on what the story needs it to be uh yeah. which is sort of where we went i think in some of the rise of skywalker stuff mm-hmm. um but if we are going to get like a world between worlds like i like how much this episode uh is totally about positing interesting questions uh Ooh. but not necessarily giving us like the answers yeah. so it's like the emperor says in his hollow projection like he's there's there's a problem with the force and he's having trouble seeing the future and then he shows up uh at this like portal using like sith magic to like see into the world between worlds and i'm like oh man does like he use this to see into the future all the time like does he always like yeah. look across the nearest portal and get a glimpse about what's going to happen like has his ability to look into this portal been around for longer than we know about mm-hmm. i mean presumably not before the fall of the republic because i think he's in the Sith temple that's beneath the Jedi temple on Coruscant. If we want to pin another planet that just mm-hmm. lore wise would be the most sense where he has like a little Sith fire going and he does all his deep experiments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that a lot. Um, and also just cause I touched on more, I have a little bit of a yeah. Easter egg thing is we, I mean, this isn't, this is pretty obvious, and I think we are comfortable with saying that Morai was a representation of the daughter, mm-hmm. but yeah. we have it finally confirmed. If you watch with the captions on, you can hear very faintly when you see Morai, when Ahsoka sees Morai, there's the voice of the daughter in the background saying, yep. literally, I am the daughter. So, <laughs> <laughs> confirms that. I love that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, but speaking of the voices, if you don't mind sitting with me for a sec, I actually found someone who went through and with closed captioning captured every single one of the voices. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but there is some interesting stuff here. And I was trying to look at it kind of thematically because if you break it up, I do think that the order that they are showing these voices are trying to say something about the world between world mm. and more specifically Ezra's journeys. Mm. I'm going to kind of break it up into a couple batches. So the first batch, there's kind of two parts to it. There's Yoda to Obi-Wan is saying, truly wonderful the mind of a child is. Obi-Wan asks, what is this place? And Qui-Gon's force goes as a conduit through which an entire force in the universe flows. Then they say the luminous beings are we, not this crew to matter. So this little chunk is just saying to me, you know, this is weird. Strap in. Like, this is something that we don't understand. We're not just what you think on our face. But then you say the second part, think you understand the force. You find out how little you actually know. Uh, Ahsoka says that to Ezra, and then you say, train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Yoda says that to Anakin, and then the last one I want to say is Obi-Wan to Ezra in Twin Sons. He says, what you need, you already have. So each of these quotes to me deals with 
the force and the Jedi's relationship to it. And the fact that a lot of these masters who are supposed to be the smartest people in the Jedi order, they're just straight up admitting like, we don't know what the force is and we need to let go. And so much of this episode is about letting go. And that's one of the things that is trying to be like Kanan tried to get that into Ezra's head this entire series. Ahsoka did it a bunch of times and Ezra has struggled with letting go for so long. And I think this episode kind of represents the first time that he makes that step into becoming a fully formed Jedi master and saying, I have let go of my attachments and I know what I need to do. Mm. Space squids, take me away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, before I go to other voices, like I think the letting go thing is such a big thing because we see his literal struggle with it. You know, he saves Ahsoka. And so naturally his first thing is I can now save Kanan. And that's coming from a very selfish place. We've talked over and over that quote from, George Lucas about how the dark side is selfishness. You know, the dark side is I want things. I want this. I have attachments. I can't let go of it. And when someone's threatening that or trying to take it away, you become angry, you become hateful. And that is the representation of the dark side. And so we've seen dark Ezra kind of flirt with that a little bit with not letting go of his parents and now losing his new parent figure, which must've been so hard for him. He hasn't really been able to work through that fully until this episode where he it's less metaphorical and more literal that he literally cannot grab Kanan and cannot change that. And this is the first time he finally can do that. And that's represented by when he finally talks to Hera and says, he's gone Mm -hmm. and says goodbye to doom in the background. And I thought that was such a beautiful touch at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's you get some really good episodes at the tail end of a series because they actually can wrap things up. But like being able to give Ezra that complete journey, I don't know. Some of the best uh, Jedi masters in the entire series are Jedis that we realize are masters as they do. Not mm-hmm. necessarily people where it's like, you have been bestowed by the council to be a knight of the Republic. I'm like, yeah, all right, religious warrior. You go out yeah. and <laughs> settle some trade disputes. But like Luke and Ezra just being able to having to feel their way through it mm-hmm. um pays off so well in your return of the jedis or in your end of rebels because they just suddenly feel comfortable in embodying that yeah and i love that point that we've seen that over and over that there's no one path to becoming a jedi you know we you'd think that there's this you know we've talked about the dogmatic Jedi in the past. I'm sure there was a big ceremony where you had to get touched on each shoulder by a lightsaber. And that's how you officially get your paperwork to become a Jedi. But with Luke, you know, like Yoda just is like, no, you're a Jedi. It's cool. And then he dies. And we see Kanan too earlier, you know, he never finished his training officially, but he goes through what he goes through in the Jedi temple and becomes a Jedi master. And I think this is when Ezra kind of does that exact same thing. He's gone through his trial And when he's able to let go, because that was the final lesson that he needed to learn about sacrifice and not holding on to your attachments for, you know, giving up yourself for your family, I think that's kind of when he's like officially been blessed by the Jedi Order. And I think this is that's a really cool moment that they don't harp on a lot here, but it's great character growth for Ezra. Mm. Yeah. The fewer Jedis there are in the world, the more interesting the ones that pop up are so far. I mean, we're 
on the eve of the high republic so hopefully yeah. i get to eat my words but we'll <laughs> we'll see i think it's kind of i think it's kind of weird that there, that people like honestly like Kanan are like yeah i'm a jedi i did it um <laughs> because in my mind i'm like no i disagree you're not and i'm like and it's and it's also side note it's not important that you are a jedi like it's to me if anything it feels selfish mm-hmm. like that feels selfish to be like i'm a jedi i did it i got the title uh and it's like, no, if the world ended and, like, I don't know, we went back to our society totally reset, people couldn't just go through the same training and be like, I just went through all the training. I'm a doctor. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's like it's a title that's tied to a very literal thing in our world. Uh, so I, I just think it's funny that they, they hang on to, like, the terms Jedi and jedi master and and jedi knight it's like why not just be like yeah i'm in touch with the force yeah that's also part of my problem with the ethnic sith (laughs) yeah Yeah. we're the sith eternal wait wait wait. so you're saying an entire race of people are just evil bad (laughs) i feel like that's not right that seems yeah Yeah, that's a weird problematic but at least the knight sisters had like a a dogma around it that i could understand yeah that one yeah and they're also, they're so badass. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Make, make re re live action Night Sisters. Where where are we at? Oh, oh my gosh, that'd be yeah, so that would good. be so sick. I um I, I I know I feel like we're we're getting pretty intellectual, but I have a a, a more intellectual, more serious question to ask. Mm-hmm. What's so okay? He go Ezra steps into the world between worlds, and so many of the portals relate to his life. Or are things that have maybe surrounded him in his force journey. So for every person, is this world between worlds different and related to their journey within the force? Like, not, like if I stepped into the world between worlds, I wouldn't see all like the portal between Ahsoka and all this stuff, right? I would theoretically uh, get my own customized experience, right? Hmm. Have you guys seen uh, Soul yet? Oh God! Yeah. I, got choked out oh god it was oh, so right. touching. yeah so like a lot of interesting parallels between like soul and a world between worlds not just in the flat black and white uh yeah. use of the afterlife or beyond life or the, well, their own world between worlds but there's a period of time where you could enter like this room and see moments from your life that are supposed to be important and they're able to sort of like reset it to like a different person. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's sort of what you're, yeah. and that yeah. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And then that also makes a little bit more sense as to why it's so important to have the emperor use Ezra to probe these things because mm-hmm. he tries before this to get him to save his parents uh, in part of the temple. He's like removed, right? Yeah. So like, sort of testing can this boy alter space-time like is he powerful enough Hmm. and then also is he you know a jedi and force strong enough to open the portals to like the moments that i need because who knows what palpatine's version you know actually diverges on if that's true maybe it needs to be like a dual connection uh, (laughs) or something like palpatine wouldn't be able to access any obi-wan moments because that it's been so long since they were like sharing a space. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because Dave Filoni was asked specifically, like, is this a physical place? And he said, I'm not going to answer that. said, is this in Ezra's mind? He said, I won't answer that. And I think that's interesting because 
one of the things that in my mind is a folly is almost being like, what is this place? Trying to figure out what it is. And I think the whole point of the world between worlds is that the force is bigger and more unknowable than we can really explain. And if you think back to what, when we first meet doom and they say, what's in the temple, what's going on? Like what is in danger? And he says knowledge. And so I, I almost interpret it not necessarily as a physical place where you can go through. And maybe even what I was saying before about like, you know, maybe about going back and killing Leia and using it to control the universe. Maybe if Palpatine went through the world between world, it would be a completely different thing for Palpatine. Yeah. The way I interpret it is like, what did Ezra need at that moment? Almost, you know, like the force is almost seeing like Ezra needs this knowledge, the knowledge that he can't save Kanan the knowledge that he needs to be ready to sacrifice himself coming up. Um, and so how is that going to be represented and manifested for um, Ezra and Ezra's journey specifically, I think is an interesting thing that I hadn't thought about before. And I think you bring it up well, Mike. Yeah. And I don't, I'm no expert, but it seems like if that's what that's what, that's what's at stake, a simple NDA would fix that. But who am I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could play one of my favorite games, which is how does this part of Star Wars help you fix the the sequel <laughs> trilogy in your mind? Uh, which is yeah. like, if what uh, what we are hypothesizing is true, and the world between worlds would be different for whoever entered it, if it like mm-hmm. happened, uh, Ezra's still out there, and uh, Palpatine is question mark a Force spirit yeah. at this mm-hmm. point. Somewhere in like mid mid cloning. I guess when I say still out there, I'm talking Mandalorian timeline because yeah. we got to figure out how a whole bunch of pieces line up. Does Palpatine's spirit sort of jumping out of the world between worlds, which he eventually accesses because he's King Force user when he dies, mm-hmm. uh, somehow port him uh, to Sith Eternal on the other side of the galaxy? Uh, would yeah, would that, that feel like cool or would that feel like uh just deepening the hole that the Sith Eternal digs us into? <laughs> so I actually wrote this in my notes because I like to go back and see what the reaction of the episode is at the time it came out. And a lot of people were predicting this is gonna set up Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker, that especially with like mm-hmm. The thing, one of the things people have talked about is the blue fire that Palpatine shoots in this episode is the same color as when he fell down the shaft in Return of the Jedi, so maybe he accessed the world between worlds right before he died mm. and coming back through time. And I actually feel like that would sit way better with me than cloning, which is what was set up in Rise of Skywalker. Mm. And I don't necessarily know why other than I like Force weirdness, um, and it would be playing on some more some of the more interesting notes that Ryan Johnson set up in uh, The Last Jedi. But it, it all depends on execution. <laughs> right. Theoretically, that seems cooler to me. Um, but, you know, cloning could have been cool, too, if it was executed better, maybe. I'm, like, rereading Lord of the Rings so that, like, right now it doesn't bother me that he's just, like, out there as an incorporeal Sauron until somebody <laughs> magnets him back to a body. But it does still bother me that, yes, it's a clone body because it seems like... Yeah, Force clones would have been something that would have been figured out if Camino got that good by the time the mm. you know Republic was around. But you know, I'm not. Uh, who am I really to poke these holes? I've been yeah. poking these holes and stuff since the moon fell on Chewbacca. So <laughs> it's a tradition yeah. at this point. Yeah, 
I mean, it's part of Star Wars love. Yes. I know. What do you think, Mike? Would you have rather had the world between worlds in Rise of Skywalker? No. Um, <laughs> I, I, I almost definitively will say no, because I think what I like about it is we're not... I, I think it's going to get ruined if we try to introduce it or explain it too much. Um, I think the perfect amount of Star Wars or any lore is creating a larger world and not explaining it. You know, it was the magic of saying, like, I knew your father back in the Clone Wars. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like, the Clone Wars, what's that? Like, now we know exactly what that is. And not to say that it wasn't successful, but it's it's no longer unknown. It's lost some of the magic. Um, it makes the, the Empire who doubt Vader at the very beginning of Star Wars look really yeah, dumb. Yeah. It'd be like me being like, what? Yeah. There's, there was never a Led Zeppelin, and you can't prove to me there ever yeah. was. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that's what, we, that's what we risk by introducing anything anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, who, who, I don't remember who referenced it, and I'm going to bring it up again, but it's why I love Darth, Darth Plagueis. Like... Yeah, you bring them up, you kind of just drop it. Wow, it sounds really badass, and you don't explain it, and you're like, "That's so cool." And and I would rather have the fans go crazy and talk about it and chat about it, and it's like you create social dialogue in a way. It's like, go, go for it, guys, talk about this. Um, oh, you didn't see that Disney Plus is spinning off <laughs> Darth Plagueis? <laughs> I mean, it's all you know. My rant. It, none of this is real, anyways. So. Yeah, well, I have a, I have a bit of a. Can I entice you with this? That the world between worlds is actually the one thing that George Lucas consulted on. Wow. Uh, Dave Filoni oh. met with George Lucas to talk about it. Okay, it's, it's the only thing on Rebels that he directly consulted on. So does that change your mind, Mike? Well, no, but that's cool. I like it. I mean, the Beatles yeah. can sit in on a recording session. Doesn't make it a Beatles song. Um, <laughs> right, fair enough. <laughs> Just makes it a wing song. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and. God damn, Wings is so good. <laughs> One other thing I want to touch on, too, is the timeline of... I think that they did this really well as the timeline of Ahsoka's place in this all because we see at the end of the Malachor arc, and it was up in the air about what this actually was, we see her walking through that triangle door at the very end, kind of indicating that she was alive, but we had no idea what that was. Mm. And so I like that we see she gets plucked up. Like, you, you think about the actual timeline, so... She's fighting Vader. Mm. Vader's about to get her, and she gets taken out in the world between worlds, and then the temple collapses on Vader, and he limps out, and then afterwards she is put back once Vader has already left, and you see her walking towards the triangle door back in that original timeline again. Mm. So I think that's really, like, kind of very clean how they did that, which is nice. Uh, Also brings up a couple questions for me. One, what did Vader see when this happened? (laughs) <laughs> like, did he literally see like a, a triangle open up and some kid pull Ahsoka through it and then like the temple falls on his head? I think if I'm remembering this correctly, because I thought about that too, I think I I think I, I went back and I think at the moment that that happened, like the chasm had opened up and he kind of stumbled back. So in my mind, at least I was like, okay, he didn't see that happen. He just looked up and was like, she's gone. <laughs> I don't know. I could be, yeah. I could like, he probably like kicked her rubs weirdly like he did with Obi-Wan. It's like, whoop, no body. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of my favorite moments, just kicking the robes because it's so like a little kid kicking an anthill or something. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and then the second thing that I thought about, which is wild, is if you think about Ahsoka's actual timeline from her perspective, within one hour she fought Vader, mm-hmm, Maul, mm-hmm. and Sidious. Mm-hmm. Sidious, all within one hour. <laughs> that's a hell of a day. <laughs> Yeah. That is, and we don't even know what happened when she got back out. 
I know, right? Has and that brings up has Ahsoka is she the only person who has dueled every Sith Lord that we know about? Ooh. The only one I couldn't think of is was there ever a time that she she dueled Dooku? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I I just I don't even have proof of that, but there's no <laughs> way she did not duel Dooku yeah, and Clone she Wars. may have been every big baddie that we has swung a lightsaber that we can think of. I think Ahsoka has gone up against, and she might be the only person in canon who has. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Did Obi Wan ever directly fight Sidious? No, I don't not that I could remember. Think so mm. I can't remember. He would be the only one I think that maybe came close, or if Yoda had ever fought Vader. Yeah. Mm. Well, eh. no, I think yeah, no, I think it's Ahsoka. Interesting. I will put that on it. I'll say Dave says it's Ahsoka's the only one. <laughs> Peter and Mike, you could leave them out of it. They said, what about, you know, Yoda and yeah, what yeah. about Obi-Wan? And I said, no, we don't need to Google anything. <laughs> Tweet at him. Tweet us if you know the answer, because I think that's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Do you know what we haven't talked about is something I, I've been eager to chat about in this episode is um, Hayden, the art critic. Mm-hmm. Can we all agree that he is just the food critic from Ratatouille? I said, Gusto has finally found his rightful place in history right alongside another equally famous chef, Monsieur Boyardee. Touché. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no difference in character. Yeah. One thing that I do really like, though, from a character standpoint, and I don't remember if I said this in the last episode or not, but I'll say it again because I like how it's pointed out, is that I love how much Sabine brings to this plot, too. Mm. Um, And I love (laughs) that, you know, it's almost like we were talking about the idea of destiny and what that even is, but it's almost like it's really cool that they have a... They have a great art critic on the crew that can just really help Ezra figure out this whole world between worlds thing. And it's a very specific skill that that Sabine has specifically that makes her uniquely qualified to be in this story. And I think that's cool as a non-Force user. Yeah, I, I like the use of like art criticism as a plot in <laughs> rebels actually yeah. Yeah. I, I like it and then being able to fold thrawn into it you know is just like yeah. a, a plus but like ever since like i i probably rolled my eyes when it was introduced and it's like this mandalorian loves to spray paint things and i'm like oh yeah okay i lived through the 90s he has a rocket skateboard i've seen all these cartoon (laughs) characters before but uh sabine you know sort of evolving to that and then through thrawn and then all the way to sort of here where it's like there's a whole group of people who are just trying to decipher the art of the galaxy and uh, is uh, they're actually right on the cusp of the most powerful breakthrough it's not your jedi archivists or your holocron holders yeah. it's your art yeah. critics that figure out where the portal <laughs> to world between worlds is man they're just critics though they don't create they just destroy <laughs> <laughs> um before we move on the only other thing i think i really have in my notes is i want to get to the second batch of voices um and maybe we'll post all the voices at some point on twitter because i don't want to read just a whole thing of them but the second batch is interesting to me because it starts off with death is a natural part of life rejoice for those around you who transform into the force mourn them not miss them not attachment leads to jealousy blah 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 yoda says that to anakin in revenge of sith um 
Yeah, Maz Kanata's his dear child. I see it in your eyes. You already know the truth. Whoever you're waiting for on Jack Who, they're never coming back. Um, and then it says, Ray to Finn, we'll see each other again. I believe that. And so to me, these ones are more about that idea of letting go of your attachments. And also another idea that is interesting to bring up, and I want to bring up the group, is it seems to indicate to me that the future is kind of set. And we talk a lot about the balance between light and dark. So this place gives us the idea that we can go back and we can change the, the universe. And I think that's what Palpatine thinks as well. But, you know, I'll argue again that he misunderstands the force in many ways. But I think this brings up interesting questions. Do you actually think that this place will let people manipulate the force and change the past and present and future? Or again, is this just giving you knowledge about what you need to do? Well, it, it does though, right? He pulls out Ahsoka, so isn't that proof of... But what if that's what the force wanted? Well, I think it's like, isn't... The sun says something as the gate's being closed. Uh, Google faster day. <laughs> uh, the future by its nature can be changed. Yeah. So I think that's, but mm -hmm. that, that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. jump into a timeline and <laughs> with it. That just means, mm -hmm. uh, it's doc Brown. Your, your future is a blank page because the future is not written. It doesn't matter if you can jump through time or time travels. There's still this element of choice. And with that choice could be sacrifice, and you need to like respect that choice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're allowed to pull Ahsoka out, a because you know she was in like this life-altering uh, point uh, where she was facing her master, and kind of b I think because the daughter allowed it. Like Morai oh, is like, yeah. hey, come over here. You need to look at this, and then uh, you know. Uh, Ezra's able to pull her out, but that seems like a blessing of a force god um, in terms of mm -hmm. things you're you're able to pull out versus like yeah. if he had pulled out the Kane and Jenga piece, the whole uh, timeline would have collapsed. Yeah, and maybe this, I mean, I don't think there is an answer, and so maybe it, it is a philosophical breakdown between the light and the dark as well, because maybe, yeah, the brother believes you can change the future or you can change the past or whatever he said. I forgot the exact quote. And that's what Palpatine thinks as well. But I think Kanan and Ahsoka even at this point says, you know, you need to let go. You need to not have your attachment. So I wonder if it's more that selfishness versus selflessness is, you know, Ahsoka was able to be saved because that's always what was going to happen. Well, no matter what, yeah. at that point in time, Ahsoka disappears and doesn't die from Vader. And that's what the Force wants. And if we just let go and let that happen, regardless of what we want that's kind of in line with the light side. Yeah. Whereas someone like Palpatine or the brother would be like, no, I'm going to literally go back in time and may bend the force to my will. Um, yeah. Well, again, I think they're both right. I think it's balance. Yeah. I don't, I think it's just, it's a certain point of view. I think it just depends <laughs> on how you look at it. Cause it's not the, the future to me in this context can be changed. And the light side isn't saying, no, it can't be changed. You have to just be cool with it. But the light side to me is saying, similar to what Yoda said to Luke, is your mind is always on the future, never on the present. And that's problematic. So I think the light side is more so addressing, don't think about the future, thinking about the, and the present and be here and now, and that will have an effect on the future. I don't think they're saying, you can't change the future, but I think they're just wanting to concentrate on the present. And I think the dark side isn't saying the future is not immutable, but I think they're just overly obsessed with the future as, um, mm. as a tool. So I think they're both, they're both right. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. I dig it. Don't try to dominate the God force. That's probably going to be end bad yeah. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Palpatine probing into the world between worlds mm. that allows the daughter to sort of like make the negative force ebb of bringing Ahsoka back through? Is it like, oh. is it, a, is it a consequence? Is it like the future can't be changed in the sense that it, like, it was always the wrong decision for Ezra to grab his parents through the past and like pull it through just because the emperor wanted him to, but the force isn't going to go unanswered if Palpatine's chanting his like evil Sith language and <laughs> trying to poison the world between worlds. So it allows like a skip in the timeline uh, where it is. Mm. Uh, it's like a big, big, big yeah. God force thing, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like what you brought up before about, you know, Palpatine doesn't understand that when he comes back someone's going to rise up and slap him down like it's the it's the force equivalent of, you know, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. Or whatever that physics thing is. I I never thought of that before, but yeah, I wonder if it's a direct consequence of his Sith meddling. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it's not until, you know, like Palpatine's really looking for it that Ezra fully enters the space. Uh, he's been able to, you know, tap into it before, like the is it in his head or whatnot. But in terms of physically moving people from timelines, that mm. happens after there's already a malicious probing happening to it. So it could be yeah. like a force balance defense yeah. mechanism. I think so. I, I Yeah, I like that. I like I like the idea of almost defense mechanism it's almost like uh you need two people to turn the key kind of thing mm -hmm. it's like uh oh you need someone from each side to uh, you know to push the scale down you can't push it down yeah, i don't know and I it's gonna pull ahsoka like who is more neutral yeah. in the timeline it's not gonna like give you like luke skywalker from the future at that point because that would yeah. break everything the opposite way yeah that's mm -hmm. interesting and yeah and why besides dramatic effect did Palpatine not enter? Why did he feel the need to stand outside of the threshold and shoot bullets with inside? Why not, you know, zip inside and grab him? Yeah, like, I, it seems like he might be able to, like, look at, at, at it or project onto it. But it isn't even until, like, I think the blue fire actually touches Ezra that he could get his hand in there, you know? So <laughs> yeah. Ezra's his little, his little portal to actually getting in there. Which makes me think it must have been so funny if you were one of his guards to, like, watch him in his room. Like, he's just shooting into a mirror. Like, beep, beep. Like, who's he talking? Who's this guy talking to? What's he doing? He's just... <laughs> oh, he's at it again down there. <laughs> I'd love to be in that room. Cackling, uh, cackling over his fire. Something he could only see. Yeah, I love uh, it. I love this idea. It's so good. Um, I actually saw one last thing I want to bring up is I like again how this buttons up the Malachor arc as well. Um, and I want to talk about a specific quote that Dave Filoni said. Um, he said that Kanan makes a decision on Malachor not to go with his gut, which is that Maul's going to betray them because he's not willing to step up and say, no, this guy is bad. Let's get out of here. Let's walk away from this. Everything feels bad. And after that, everything falls like dominoes. Um, and Ezra even says it, that's when everything changed. In a way, that's Kanan's big failure. He doesn't pass the test of believing in himself and committing to what he's willing to trade off to defeat evil in this moment. They should have just walked away from Malachor, but they didn't. And I think that's what 
when we talked about the episode that Yoda is kind of saying that too, is like, well, we can figure out like how to defeat the Sith, but you got to go to Malachor, but you shouldn't. And Ezra's like, nope, we need this weapon. We're going to Malachor. And Kanan agrees with them. Mm. And that is, again, when everything changed. Everything started going downhill for them. And so I think that's a really interesting thing is, again, going to this idea of letting go of the past and try, like trusting that you can make the sacrifices and not just do what you want to try to beat the bad guys. And that's why Doom in the past episode, when Doom talks to Ezra, says, restore the past and you redeem the future. In a way, that's Doom as Kanan trying to correct his choice of going to Malachor and throwing him into all this chaos. Hmm. Hmm. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, either of you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we close this up? Just the Ratatouille art critic. <laughs> you know, he's, he, he's an odd character. Introduced he and is. not used well, in my opinion. Uh, you, just because it was so brief. It's such a brief... It's an odd time to introduce a character like that. Um, it it feels so. It feels like a last minute decision. Um, where this there, I don't know. It 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 just feels odd to me. It doesn't fully work. I like the character because I think he's goofy and kind of makes me giggle. But I don't know if that he's successful in as a menacing, you know agent of the dark side or agent of the empire or like art critic they brought in from you know space soho to do this thing it, it doesn't work for me super well yeah it kind of reads like they needed you know a mini thron but they also needed that person to die yeah. at the end of the episode exactly. so yeah you you just watched ratatouille and you're like i have a solution <laughs> <laughs> it's great i don't know it's funny and then i like when how sabine helps them is like the most obvious ways like well, that guy's pointing over there. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not art. That's not art. That's just having eyes. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I've been being silly because it's a kid show and you can't have her be like, well, then, you know, X, Y, B, C, uh, this. I mean, maybe you could could have. I don't know. It, I mean, it I don't know this old. full state of the hollow nets these days in canon, <laughs> but Star Wars is like by necessity because you need to forget things like the clone wars and yeah. luke skywalker existed uh his like has no media so i imagine like the critics the people who have the luxury of having the relaxed life in star wars of being able to look at a lot of art and be critics it seems like at this point are like you know Thrawn and Sabine sort of out of necessity, yeah. and then this weird dude, mm -hmm. and he reads as weird and non-threatening. I think because there isn't a world outside of like Thrawn and Sabine are the most threatening you could make art critics in this world. There isn't like <laughs> oh there isn't some guy giving the emperor the empire bad reviews in a newspaper or anything. So it's it's hard <laughs> to sort of make that a character. But yeah, yeah he's this greasy real. weasel dude, and they give him like really unintimidating headwear in a in a world <laughs> where everybody wears intimidating helmets this guy gets yeah. like a little i don't know floof of a like a, co a koozie over his head yeah it's basically a mm -hmm. priest gown so yeah yeah that's a good point yeah, yeah. why does the art critic have anything to do with religion those just seem like you know i mean i guess it would be because of the thing i was saying nobody's making like movies so oh, what else I are you gonna criticize yeah. yeah this makes me want to see space uh da vinci code now Yes. <laughs> I love that. 
So how we like to end every episode is on a rating scale from our current least favorite thing to our current most favorite thing. Emphasis on the favorite because it's all it's all good uh, thing in Star Wars. So I'll give you an example. So my current least favorite thing in Star Wars is just kind of the entire relationship between Rey and Kylo. It just doesn't work for me. My current most favorite thing in Star Wars is Ben telling Luke about the larger world inside his Tatooine abode. Um, I would put this episode on that scale as a um, Sidious tells Anakin about Darth Plagueis, something that's funny we brought up in this episode. <laughs> but uh, I love that part of the prequels. It just, again, opens up a larger world. It conveys this really cool story. It doesn't go too deep into it, and it's just the perfect amount of force, which is a total A+. plus To me, like this episode, which is a total A+. plus. This is maybe top three episodes of Rebels. i just a really big fan. Peter, do you want to give your scale? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my favorite thing in Star Wars right now is the YouTube video of that little girl dressed as Rey at Disneyland <laughs> using the Force to push away all the bad guys. I love it so much. And my least favorite thing is Rey Palpatine. So between those two things, I give this episode Luke throwing away his lightsaber in Return of the Jedi, embodying what it truly means to be a Jedi and letting go of his internal conflict and struggle. It's one of my favorite things in Star Wars. And I think this episode is one of my favorite things in Star Wars too, probably tied with Doom as my favorite episode in Rebels. So I think this is an A+. Ooh, I'm going to come in as the one who's not an A+, but still in the A range. Okay. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, my low scale for Star Wars now and since uh, I saw it happen is Han Solo getting his last name uh, given to him at Space <laughs> Ellis Island. Nice. Yep. Uh, and my high scale, uh, which has been since I watched it for the first time with my father and understood why scores could be powerful, is uh, Yoda pulls the next wing out of the Dagobah Swamp. Ooh. And doubt is why you fail. I'm going to give this episode a Sith Holocron, which for me is an A- minus because I love the, the idea of a Sith Holocron. And I think it gives a lot of interesting questions about the kind of force users that I like. But then ultimately, after all this promise, uh, it gets ported into a wayfinder if you don't develop it uh, all the way through. So I love this episode in Rebels. I agree it's one of the best Rebels episodes, but it does open this uh entire other level of the force that i feel is uh not completely dealt with which yeah. keeps it from an a plus and uh keeps it down at the a minus range but still great yeah. passing with the flying colors that's great i love that scale too speaking of the wayfinder too the one thing i forgot to bring up is that canonically they renamed this so the world between worlds is also known as the virgin scatter don't so, want to talk about it. i don't accept it i reject so there you it. go <laughs> just one I last one that. last nugget for you guys you can't do that you can't retcon an episode like that nope <laughs> yeah But that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. I really love chatting about this stuff. And this was a great talk. 
Um, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you could find me on Twitter at DA7E. You could also open up your podcast app that you're listening to this on and uh, check me out on the Storm Lost Rewatch podcast and Fighting in the War Room. Yeah. Yeah. Love check it. that out. I'm super excited about your book. You're doing that with Joanna Robinson as well, right? That is correct. Yeah. We've been That's working awesome. on it for about a year and we'll probably take another year wrapping it all up, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see you guys in 2022 with that. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of mind blown that we didn't talk about lost parallels um, with this episode. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, yeah, that it's that's the problem with having a lost podcast that is both spoiler and non-spoiler. Yeah. Is I yeah. would love for all the storm listeners to be listening to this episode yeah, and I yeah. don't want to spoil any lost yeah. for them. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I won't even bring it up then. <laughs> that's great. Um Mike, do we have anything to plug? Do we have anything we want to tell people to do for us? Um just keep 6 feet apart. Yep. We're also still, we're taking haikus. We're taking poems. Uh, if you have any Star Wars poems or haikus you want to share with us, we've had a lot of fun reading those out on the podcast. So mm-hmm. send them our way. You can find us at rebelsrebelspod at Gmail or Instagram or on Twitter. All of those with varying amount of activity. But you can send those to us and we will love to connect with you. Yeah. Um, and remember, until next time, to be brave out there. Don't look back. Bye. Bye.